Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to this week's podcast. My name's Bo. And I'm Peter. And we're here with Running Light Ministries and going to talk to you guys about uh, sex and porn and the Bible and intimacy and passion and love and lust, <laughs> right? That's right. All the good stuff, man. Last week we talked about husbands, which was cool. And this week I was um, had a great week. I got a chance to interact with um, the psychologist David Lay through email, and that was cool. Um, he's written the book... Um, uh, the Myth of Sex Addiction, um, which I've read, and I thought it was pretty cool myself. But, you know, I'm one of those guys, Peter, that I love to read books that aren't kind of the status quo. Hmm. You know, I kind of like to read books that I know are going to go maybe totally the complete opposite of what is maybe the predominant view, um, especially, I think, because, you know, we live in a Christian bubble, you know, I've been a minister for 22 years, um, I still feel fairly young, I still look fairly young, um, but I am mid-age, and, um, you know, you can get into ruts, and sometimes when you list, listen to the status quo over and over and over, it becomes almost like, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, almost, not that it is propaganda, but you almost feel like it's propaganda, you know what I mean? Like, uh, this is just the norm. And um, I like to have different perspectives. It helps me even to see the Bible better. It helps me to kind of think of uh, the Bible a little more differently or um, than um, maybe I would before. Um, or it would maybe pose different questions for me to answer, um, which might challenge me, too. So I, I like the book myself. Um I know it's a controversial book, but he was really nice to get back with me, and that was a real blessing and um, for me anyway um, to hear from him. And, and uh, you know, I think it's great for us to, um, you know, talk to, you know, different people about these issues, you know. I mean, a lot of people want to help people, and uh, we know there's a lot of people that feel really awful about their life because of their sexual um, life, you know. And so... Uh, that's kind of it, it just uh, on a human level. It's nice just to be able to um, understand that we're all there trying to help. We just have different maybe viewpoints and different things like that. But I think some of the things uh, we would all be surprised with is sometimes how much we agree uh, with different takes than um, how we would disagree. So that was cool. Mm. You know? Yeah, and I agree. And I, I read that article that you sent me from him. It was very, very good, well thought out. And uh when I, when I think about you know guys like David Lay who who by the way is is not writing from the perspective of a Christian, right? Um, the the cool thing that I always think of is uh, the apostles in the book of Acts. It says that they went to the temples and the marketplaces and they reasoned with people, and that word reason in the Greek is the word dialogamos, and it has a very specific meaning, and it doesn't mean that they went and they it doesn't say they went and preached to people in the temple in the marketplace, meaning they didn't have a monologue. Mm -hmm. They went and they actually dialogued with people. They talked. They listened to their ideas. And then they responded specifically to those ideas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that that is what you're mentioning, Bo, is very important. Because um, if I get this idea in Christianity that I can't learn anything from the world, then I'm a fool. Mm -hmm. Because obviously I can learn a lot of things from the world. Because a lot of these guys like David Lay who are studying psychology all he's really doing is he's studying human nature. Right, which from our perspective is God's, he's just studying God's uh, design. That's right. So from a Christian perspective, I should have no problem listening to anyone who's studying any field of, of observable science, whether they're an atheist or a Christian, because all they're doing is they're explaining the work of God. Right? I could listen to Richard Dawkins and his talks on biology, and I could learn a lot of things from him. You know, it's not like I have to reject everything that he's saying. Mm -hmm. What a Christian believes is that it's just in the areas that they disagree with the Bible, then I have to disagree with them. Mm -hmm. But in the areas where they're talking in a gray, in, a, in an unlightened part of the Bible, then I could actually glean a lot of things from them. And even in the areas where they disagree with the Bible, I mean, if I'm going to be talking to people outside the church, which the Bible tells me I should, uh, I should at least know where they're coming from. 
as opposed to just painting them all with a broad brush and saying, oh, you know, like anyone who thinks this way is an idiot and it doesn't matter what they think. Um, because, first of all, that's not true. The Bible never says that's true. Uh, there could be a lot of smart people, right? Solomon, the wisest dude on earth, he definitely had it wrong yeah. <laughs> in a lot of these areas that we would all look at his life and be like, that dude is wrong. But he was very smart, and you could learn a lot of things from him. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, I could learn a lot of things from these very intelligent men who just don't know God. But on the other hand, you have to. we also, as Christians, have to realize that the cultural views have entered into the church. And whether we want to believe it or not, they're in, they impact us, and they impact the people that are around us inside the church. So, we again, we should be aware of them. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. You know, there's um, so this that was cool this week. That was some good stuff. Yeah. Um, there also um, was something cool. Um, and why I actually initiated the conversation with David Lay anyway was um, it, it had to do with uh, the Dr. Oz show. And it was really cool because my wife was like, hey, Dr. Oz is having a show with Pamela Anderson. And first of all, it was um, this lady who I know who's done like hookers for Christ. Um, who's a Christian lady was going to be on the show too, talking about prostitution and, and violence and things like that and making some things aware, uh, people aware of what, what happens and stuff like that. And then Pamela Anderson, who's been really like a sex, a sex symbol in America for, I don't know how long. Um, uh, you know, I think she's been on Playboy and I don't, I don't even, you know, know how many times, but, um, but anyway, she was on there with, um, uh, the ra- uh, a rabbi, um, he's a famous rabbi too. He does a lot of books like Kosher Sex, and um, he's written a new one called Kosher Lust, and and it's kind of an intriguing uh, title because it's Kosher Lust, and then he says um, like he talks about how l- uh, lust uh, should trump love in your marriage, and 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 then he he explains what he means by that. You know, and he's talking about putting the passion back in your relationship type of thing. Um, you know, because um, he does, he does, I think the, the rabbi understands that there is a, uh, a certainly a biblical uh, merit for absolute passion um, in marriage. And that, that I think what he's explaining is that people go to porn. So like a, a lot of people go to porn or a segment go to porn because, um, you know, of a lack of passion within the marital bed, you know, where people get to a certain age and, you know, the statistics show that all of a sudden their sex life goes down. And, you know, this isn't the, the you know, what's, oh, what's odd is that, you know, when you deal with porn, you just can't, you can't, I, what I've found is you just can't be symptomatic. You know, I don't know if even that, if that's a word, simplematic, but simplistic, you, yeah. simplistic, yeah. I like simplematic much better, but, uh, <laughs> but you just can't be that way. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, there's so many reasons why people do it. And I think his book is touching on that segment of the population that goes, you know what? I'm 45 years old. I'm 55 years old. You know, my wife doesn't, you know, want to, she doesn't want to engage anymore, you know, and, and he's in the basement doing his thing, yeah. you know what I mean? Kind of stuff. But he was on with her and, and, um, you know, and they had this huge billboard in the back. It said like sex addiction or <laughs> porn addiction or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, and again, it just reverberates, you know, that idea that, you know, this is an addiction, yeah. you know, that, you know, and of course we've talked about before how we just, um, struggle with that idea of addiction. And, and of course there's always an extreme group of people that, um, uh, I should say extreme group that deals with their sexuality, you know, and, 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 and again, when we say extreme, that's a, that's a relative term, you know, meaning that, that terminology is like relative to what, hmm. you know, what is the benchmark for a lot of sex, you know, or, or all that. It's, it becomes really rough to kind of pigeonhole any really good, um, idea of what is the right amount or what kind or anything like that. So again, it, that's why we've always really struggled with addiction. And, um, you know, from a biblical perspective too, I was just kind of listening to our old, uh, podcast on addiction, sex addiction and what we thought of it. But I, I thought a good point that, uh, I think we were bringing up was, um, that, you know, from, from our perspective, really everybody's, uh, from a biblical perspective, we're all sinners. We're all fallen people. 
you know, so we're all, you know, you could lump us all in that we're all addicted. Yeah. You know, and, and that's sometimes I think how people are using the term sex addiction. It's almost like they're just, uh, they're using that term addiction in a really broad sense, you know, um, where clinically it's, it's just tough to think of someone being sex addicted or food addicted or pride addicted you know i'm coveting a, a money addicted i'm addicted to money it's like you know that that becomes like really to me really squirrely <laughs> you know to work through yeah you know so that's what the uh i mean it was kind of neat I, I watched the clips on dr oz today because uh, they don't show the whole program but they show just like various highlight clips of what happened in the show because i wasn't able to catch the show with pamela anderson mm. but it did um what was kind of interesting he asked dr oz asked her at one point do you want to ban it all do you want to ban porn and i thought she was really wise him and her and the rabbi both said no and we're not out we're, we're not talking about a ban you know she said i just think you know people have to be responsible and and she talked about moms and dads and husbands and wives and and i thought that was good i thought i thought it was good i thought she easily could have went down the road of i mean here you got this huge billboard in the back saying porn addiction and you know everything's like porn and the problem with porn and and um she could have easily went down that road and said yeah this thing's got it we got to be rid of this but i thought she was wise to be in many reasons to you know why i think that but i thought it was wise for her to say hey you know there there needs to be a responsibility on our part, meaning we just have to learn to be responsible mm. for what is in our world and how to look at it, how to view it. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I, I did blog recently. Um, I've done a lot of blogging, it seems like, recently, but um, I did do a blog the other day on um, the issue of, um, you know, why me personally struggle with the anti-porn movement. Um, and it's on my WordPress site, actually. It's not on the Running Light site. It's on a WordPress site that I do. But it is uh, runninglight.wordpress.com. Um, and uh, it's where I talk about church, marriage, porn, culture. You know, And it's kind of nice because it's just my free-flowing thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I don't have to get too technical or anything like that. I can just kind of throw things out, you know. And um, But I really, you know, have always valued... Um, Huxley's Brave New World. It was a very impactful book for me um, as a Christian to read that book. Um, I think I read it before and after, you know, before I was a Christian and then after I was a Christian. But uh, And Orwell, I, you know, Animal Farm in 1984 were very powerful books to me. And, um, and so I kind of use that as my little framework of some of my ideas of, of, of anti-porn uh, movement and propaganda and fear and how that kind of does things in society but so i thought she did a good job anyway peter i thought she did fairly well uh, on that question you know mm. things like that so it was it was it was uh, an interesting week yeah it, it was you know so um but uh you know we talked about husbands last week and i thought that was cool um um you know, one of the things I thought we could talk, because I want to continue to talk about husbands and, you know, kind of helping husbands out. Um, but I think one of the things we were talking about is the struggle that, um, you know, whether to shut down all your passion or how to keep it going. Um, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes you get dependent on pornography. Some guys do, where they can't get an erection because they, they maybe have developed a real pattern of only developing an erection through maybe the excitement of voyeurism, mm. you know, and that happens to some, some guys. And I think for some of those guys, it, you know, it might, they might need to take those guys who go, you know what? I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't, I, I, I see the problem it's having, you know, where I'm not able to cultivate a relationship with my wife. Um, you know, and they've confessed it and they've talked about it. And hopefully they're talking about it with their wife. And if they need counsel, then they go to counsel. But um, I don't see a problem, though. I don't know if you do with um, them maybe taking a time out from sex just to have to kind of reevaluate things. You know, sometimes you gotta do got to like starve the eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just kind of take the breather. 
<laughs> you know? And especially if your body is, like, biologically maybe not functioning. Yeah, getting older. Yeah. And all that. Yeah, and it, it's very interesting that you bring up that point, Bo, because uh, I think that what even um, modern psychologists are seeing as they're seeing the biblical point of Proverbs where he says, uh, the pits of hell and destruction are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man. Mm-hmm. Where Solomon's whole point in that passage and his whole point in Ecclesiastes in most of the parts yeah. is that there's a finite amount of passion that I can get from selfishness. You know, there's a lot of passion I could get from selfishness for sure. Right. But it's it's finite, meaning it, it's going to run out. Yeah. Eventually. And he and, says he tried it all. And he tried it all. So, I mean, clearly, obviously, when Solomon first started, uh, you know, having a thousand wives, a bunch of concubines and having a bunch of raves and parties <laughs> and whatever right. else he was doing. Um, I mean, you get You're overstating it. <laughs> when you read it wasn't that much, yeah, not that much, man, maybe like one a year. Now. <laughs> but you get the idea, you know, when you read first Kings that as Solomon begins his decline, that he there was a lot of passion in it for him. And it was satisfying him and it was drawing him in. But the whole point of Ecclesiastes is he's gotten to the point in his life where it's all run out. And I think even Leo Tolstoy in his confessions towards the end of his life, he said the same exact thing Mm -hmm. where he was talking about his depression. And uh, he, he said this very famous line. He says, one can only live so long when they are intoxicated by the pleasures of, of life. Yeah. But when they sober up, the crushing reality sets in. Yeah. And what he means by that is as long as that passion for my selfishness is feeding something in me, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But eventually it's going to decay. It's going to go away. So if I treat my sexuality in a selfish way, um, which I think everyone would agree that pornography is selfish, right? I am seeking... What? Yeah, itself. In and of itself, right? Yeah. So like viewing pornography is definitely a, a selfish thing where I'm, I'm, I'm seeking my own when it comes to my sexuality. Yeah. And if I do that for long enough, right, it will have passion in the beginning, but over time, the passion will kind of erode. Yeah. And the same thing is true with my sex life with my wife. If I treat her selfishly, and if she treats me selfishly, we might be able to have a lot of passion together as a husband and wife and our selfishness mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. But eventually, it runs out. Yeah. And the Bible's contention is that the thing about love, the thing about selflessness, the thing about giving mm-hmm. is that it starts slow, but it burns brighter and hotter the more you do it. Yeah. Where lust starts fast and it burns out. You know, yeah. it's like a firecracker. Yeah. And so what we need to do at, at some point, if we want passion to remain in our marriage and to get stronger, there has to be a pursuit of love, yeah. of the selfless type of love of God. Right. Yeah, and that's true. And, and I mean, man, just to um, kind of really put a stickler on this, on what you said, is that when you said, like, you know, you, you, can you watch porn and not be selfish? You know, that is a, I think that's a, a question that's debatable, you know, meaning um, or attempted to maybe do be a debate <laughs> or t- you can attempt it. Right. I think that your intentions going in Mm -hmm. could be um, selfless for a a certain point. Like, for instance, uh, what you mentioned with the mm -hmm. example of someone towards uh, who's getting older, who can't get an arousal. Right. So they're viewing pornography in order to arouse themselves to be with their spouse. Right. So in their mind, there is kind of a a selfless and and I put that in quotations motivation of wanting to be with their wife for sure. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if I sat down with someone like that, the questions would start erupting out of like, you know, well, why exactly is this is this necessary? Meaning, yeah. well, why do you need, why is this important for you to get aroused in this way to have sex with your wife? Yeah. Is it because you're really genuinely interested in her well-being or do you feel like less of a man because you can't get it up? Yeah, you know, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like, what if what if you read Song of Solomon, you know, to get aroused, yeah, and then be with your wife, yeah. Well, I mean, like, if you read Song of Solomon in order to get aroused, 
to be with your wife. I mean, the 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 number one problem. Or like, maybe it excited you. Right, right. That it. it, it I'm not it saying you need something. Yeah, I'm not saying you needed it. Yeah. You know, like it's like it's the only thing. You know, right. uh, of course, my example was someone who obviously has taken a break from sex because um, they can't have it anymore with their wife because they certainly have, you know, been enveloped in porn. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think in that case, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, um, but I, just for instance, like when you said that, it kind of made me think like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, because sometimes I have read the Bible, you yeah. know, I actually quite a bit over the years, you know, yeah. I'd say over my 26 years of Christianity, you know, but reading through the Bible and I read something and I think of my wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I, and I kind of read it and I go, Ooh, that's, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, it sparks something up, Yeah. you know, and, um, and it's not like uh, I want to have sex with the Bible or right. any characters of the Bible. Right. You know, but, but it, it certainly, you know, uh, tips me off yeah. to to going in that direction. Yeah, and, and arousal is something that's different. I mean, any any man will tell you that weird things spark arousal sometimes for no the reason. The wind. Yeah, the wind or, or just weird, random things right. that aren't even necessarily sexual yeah. will spark arousal yeah. and, and will spark like a mood to want to be intimate with your spouse. That's right. And uh, when, when you're looking at that as a Christian, it's like, you know, If you're going from the ideal, right, the Mm -hmm. ideal of Christ's love, then you have to look at it and be like, well, that would mean that my arousal and my seeking of pleasure should be in the pleasure of the beloved, right, in the pleasure of my spouse. But to be honest, I'm not there and nobody's there, right? Mm -hmm. I get aroused for reasons that are are selfish in some ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, the question is that I have as a Christian isn't, is that okay where I'm at? But the question is, is, is that okay forever? You know, it, will that continue to be okay for yeah. the rest of my life? And uh, what the Bible says about that kind of attitude is, once again, if I feed it, it'll get stronger, mm. right? And it will take more away from me. And even uh, just thinking more about what you said about uh, viewing pornography in order to get aroused, I, I would think about it this way as well. It's like if, I, if I'm viewing pornography in order to be with my wife, I'm still taking an image of porn, which is an image of a person, like a human being, Mm -hmm. and I'm using that person in order to satisfy my wife. Mm -hmm. So is to put it another way, is me being selfish with my wife in in the sacrifice of another person selfless, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and obviously the answer is no. It'd be kind of like if I if I stole from someone to give my wife a present, you know, is that still is that selfless? Well, you could say, well, it's kind of selfless because I'm not doing it for me. But on the other hand, you kind of are, you know, yeah. and you are still taking from someone. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when talking about sex and, and, and being a husband, you know, when you think of how many times you've really done it right, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I mean, really, I mean, and this is what frustrates a lot of people mm-hmm. is that really, really, you know, I mean, man, the bar is set really high. <laughs> You know, and that's 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 something that we have to understand about the Bible in general. Mm. And I think if you don't get this, um, then then, man, we are in for some huge problems. And that is the Bible is written from the perspective of God. Yeah. And God being perfect is going to lay down perfection. Mm. He's going to speak of be perfect as I am perfect. Mm. Be holy as I am holy. You know, when the the woman is caught in adultery and is brought before Jesus, Jesus says to her at the very end, go and sin no more. Mm. Um, I don't think Jesus uh, believed that she never was going to sin. Mm. You know, he didn't say don't commit adultery again. Mm. He said, go and sin no more. Mm. Um, that's quite a high calling. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think she the rest of her life she didn't sin. Mm. You know, I think. He is God, and that's what God does. Yeah, that's God's benchmark. Yeah, you know that what he, I mean. That he, if he didn't, he wouldn't be God. That's right. If if he would have said sin a little, <laughs> then obviously he wouldn't have been God. Yeah. You know what I mean? But God, as God, has to say those things. Yeah, it has to be perfect. That's right. And if 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 Paul is communicating, or John is communicating the truth of God, or Peter is communicating the truth of God, as you mm-hmm. taught eloquently last night in a, in a message, 
um, to college students, um, that be holy as I am holy, um, you know, that's what God's going to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and, um, and, uh, you know, and for sure. Um, so when you think of your sexuality, you think, man, you know, in a culture that is so inundated with so many images hmm. and, uh, you know, a world that's inundated, you know, so even, even if you lived in a, a strict Islamic culture hmm. where there wasn't, uh, body parts being shown, female body parts that are shown or whatever, it's not like they're um, oblivious to body parts because of the world that we live in. Yeah. Um, it's it becomes it can become very uh, difficult in even having intimacy where all of a sudden an image pops in or maybe just a thought pops in or just something you know goes through your brain and and if you get oversensitive of like I got to do it you know I got to be unselfish I got to you know what I mean I could see you being overhyped almost like an oversensitivity hmm. to just having sex yeah. you know what I mean just having fun yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah and and I think sometimes in sexual uh, quote recovery circles you know in working with husbands that kind of happens yeah you know where it's like there's so much emphasis on you know, doing everything right and, you know, not being selfish and, and, you know what I mean? Not viewing porn and not doing this and not doing that, that there becomes a sensitivity where it's almost like you can't have sex anymore anyway. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're just toast. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you're just, you're, you're almost inept now. You're yeah. impotent, yeah. you know, where you can't move forward because there's no room for error at all. Yeah. You know? And that, uh, that paralysis that you're talking about, uh, doesn't just extend to the sexual life, but it extends all over in your life. You know, yeah. can I be a can I be a pastor and uh, or a minister? No, even though I start, yeah, <laughs> obviously no, dude. You gotta be you gotta be perfect. You gotta, gotta be, flawless, be perfect, man, just like the disciples. But oh. yeah, <laughs> but it could it could certainly paralyze us from doing all sorts of good things that God would want us to do. And uh, that's what I love about the Bible so much is that whenever it talks about any type of Christian growth in, say, Psalm 1, right? The blessed man walks not in the, in, in counsel. the way of the counsel of the ungodly yeah. or sits in the seat of the scornful. Uh, but he's what? He's like a tree planted by the river of water. Or Jeremiah 17 talking about the blessed man like a tree. Or Galatians 5 talking about um, the fruit of the Spirit and growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, when you or John 15, abide Jesus, in the vine. Abide in the vine. Yeah. When you look at all those parables, it's like, what is the the common denominator? That Christian growth is like growing some sort of a plant or a fruit. And when any of you guys who've ever done any type of gardening or anything like that, you'll understand this a little bit better. But when you do gardening, it is a slow, painstaking process. You gotta dig in the hole. You gotta you gotta get right fertilizer. You gotta plant the plant. You gotta water. You gotta till. You gotta soil. You gotta make sure that in the winter it doesn't get frozen. You gotta protect. You know, there's so much stuff that goes into it. And then after all that, finally the fruit begins. And the fruit begins as the tiniest little bud. And it takes a long time to grow into <laughs> to an get actual all mature. thing. That's right. And so uh, a passage that's always helped me is Zechariah 4:10. Where God mm. says to his people, he says, who has despised the day of small things? Mm. So God is certainly, I mean, the only way for me as a husband to get better at having intimacy with my wife is to engage. Mm. To abstain from her, then what, what's my default setting? Lust, selfishness. Mm -hmm. And to abstain from her is just going to build more lust and selfishness. Right. So there has to be a level of engagement that's going to happen as God slowly purifies my heart. Another passage that helps me is with the uh, the Roman centurion in the New Testament where Jesus says to him, do you believe that I am able to do this? And he says, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Yeah. So he's acknowledging that, man, there are parts of my heart that want to do the right thing. But there are also parts of my heart that disbelieve. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, dude, help help those parts of my heart. And Jesus actually admires that prayer. Because it's a realistic one. Yeah. You know, at the same point, it's like when I have intimacy with my wife, am I totally pure? Mm. No, absolutely not. I'd be a fool to say so. However, there are parts of my heart that are selfless and loving. Yeah. And what I'm asking and praying and seeking in my time with my wife is I'm seeking that growth, that development. That yeah. God will develop that fruit and put to death the old man 
daily, right? Renewed daily, uh, as Paul puts it in, in his passages in Romans 12 and, and Galatians 5 and Colossians 3. Yeah. Where he talks about that renewal that needs to happen inside of my heart and inside of my mind. And that's what God does. And I love how you say, it, you know, it takes time. Um, it's something we grow in. We see those analogies in the Bible. And I think husbands that are listening to this just need, and anybody really that's listening to this needs to understand that when you're trying to get right back on the track that you want to get on, it's going to take time. Mm. Um, and, and that, you know, what, you know, you, you have to realize that the Bible's coming from that, that high, holy place of God. Mm. And that's why there's these high, holy callings, mm. you know, because God can't settle for anything less yeah. or else he can't be God. Mm. God wouldn't, wouldn't forfeit righteousness. Um, and he can't, if he's really God, then he, he can't do that, you know? So it's like, so that's what it's coming from that perspective. See, and, and, and when you study the Bible, you read like passages like first John that talks about, you know, one day we will be like him when we see him, you know, face to face, you know, that one, you know, it talks about that there's a future that we're going to actually be all together, we're gonna be, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that, and that even today, um, there's a completeness we have in Christ mm. because of the work he's done. But we're working out that practically in our life daily, you know, so so you can't beat yourself up and you can't, you know, sometimes we overthink things just way too much. Mm. Um, and as a husband, you got to come kind of go back to step one of um, just hanging out. How do you have good sex with your wife? Mm. You know, it's not by saying, hey, lust is better than love and and saying, hey, I'm just going to luster, man, because we're going to have passionate sex or something like that. But it's like, um, I like how you talked about that slow burn of giving and things like that. But it's learning how to give. It's learning how to enjoy. Mm. It's, and and that's, that has to be um, something that happens mutually. Mm. You know, sex can't be one-sided. Mm. And that's what happens so much in a marriage, right? Where there's a breakdown. And, and you know what? It's really not, it's not so much the porn. Like, for instance, if someone says, I think Pamela Anderson said a girl came up to her and said, hey, you know, thanks so much for talking about this. My husband hasn't had sex with me in 15 years. He's just hanging out in the basement and watching his porn kind of thing, you know. But you, you got to understand that porn's not the issue with that, that statement, yeah. with, that I- with that thing. Yeah. yeah, porn's not the problem there, <laughs> right? Yeah. The porn, something's wrong with their relationship with one another, mm. you know, of why they don't communicate, why they don't talk, mm. why they can't seem to in, talk about sexuality mm. with one another. Um, you know, talk about, you know, I mean, I find it attractive. I don't know. I find it attractive to be um, very open with my wife and to talk to her. And, and I love her talking about intimate things with me and sexual things. I don't mind it at all. Um, I, I find it very cool, yeah. you know, um, and um, and I enjoy that with her, too. And, and I don't it doesn't bother me when she says, hey, that person's attractive or something like that. I don't you know, to me to 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 look at her and to say, you know what, that offends me. That's just totally wrong. I can't believe you would be attractive to anybody on this planet other than me, because I am the best looking guy, <laughs> you know, on the planet. You know that you're married to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and God really can't bless you anymore because you find someone else attractive. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? The twistedness in that yeah. and the fear in that, you know, could create a huge rift, yeah. you know. Um, and so there's I would say the the culprit of most of probably uh, so many of these issues. And the one I mentioned on the show with uh, Pamela Anderson just now is is probably a lot of fear. You know, that there's a tremendous amount of fear in that relationship that has restricted them from talking to one another about things that they want to talk about or they would love to be open about and, and share, um, even if it's messy, even if it's yucky, you know, mm-hmm. like I think it's much safer for a husband to be able to go up to a, a, a wife and say, you know what, I just love sensuality, mm-hmm. you know, and porn is attractive simply because it's sensual yeah you know what i mean and sometimes i just love the thought of sensuality you know what i mean it's exciting to me and and a wife going you know what hey i understand you know like you know what i mean having dialogue with that you know instead of just being like what like i can't believe you would do that like how would you even think that way like what's wrong with you aren't you a christian 
You know what I mean? And just blast them. And then he's like, okay, I'm not saying a word, (laughs) you know? And that's a small microcosm of what happens in the church at large. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's where, you know, you you desperately don't want to say anything about what maybe you might want to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, to be actually honest. To be actually honest. And you talked about that last night in your message. That, you know, fearless honesty is very... There's very few places that you can be fairly honest and just say, you know, I really want to view pornography. Mm. You know what I mean? I really like it. And people are okay, like, with hearing that. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why a lot of people in the church would rather just at some point check out, I think, and just go, hey, you know what? I'm going to be an atheist and I'm just going to, because then at least I could talk to someone and just say what I need to say, say what I want to say. Yeah. You know? And, And they might not agree with it. But at least they're going to like, you know, not criticize me or put me down or shame me, you know, for the thought that I have, you know. And I I think, you know, as a husband, you have to, you know, we, you know, that's why I say sex can't just be one side. You, You know, if a husband's working on his stuff. You know, he can get off all the porn he wants. He can he can be like, man, I want to give to my wife, you know, better to give than to receive. And my joy is in the Lord. And and you know what I mean? He can have all those things right on. Right. But if his wife is not in the same uh, thread, Mm. you know, she's not in the same movement of of that work, you know, of reconciliation and groove and 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 that fear has been dealt with. You know what I mean? And that worry and that concern. And we can't talk about this. You know what I mean? And and that we can't, you know, then they're not, they're never going to get intimate again. They're never going to have passion. Mm. You know, they're never going to be there. If they do, it's just going to be a, again, it's going to be, he's, he's doing it for the right reasons, you know, but she's still in her mind going, I don't really like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, and I know that, you know, as well as I do that in, in pretty much every marital counseling that I've had in this area, in fact, no, I'm going to say, Every marital counseling, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I can't, I cannot think of a single one at this moment. So if if there is one, I'm, I'm not, I'm spacing it right now. Yeah. Where I look at it and the issue is just the porn. I would praise God if the issue was right. just the porn. Right. I would just get on my knees because that is a relatively easy problem to fix. Right. It's like cut if off your internet. You're yeah, good to go. You're done, man. <laughs> or if it, and and I'll even take right. it one step further. Even if it is a physical adultery, right? I would still look at it and be like, if that was the only issue, yeah. you guys are actually doing pretty okay, mm-hmm. you know? Because every single time when you start digging, you realize that there's more going on, and there is the fear, and there is the blame, and there is the the lack of communication, the lack of sincerity, the lack of closeness. That has been there for has been there. It's been there since day one. Right. You know, it's been there since their dating relationship and it just has never. And and, um, this idea has come up that like maybe one day we'll talk about it, but it just that day never comes. And and it becomes more and more difficult and the the barriers become higher and higher. Mm -hmm. And the idea then is that like, dude, if I talk about it now, it's all shot. You know, I, I was listening to this one woman who talks. Uh, she's she's a shame therapist, which I thought nice. was hilarious. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she she only used to talk to women. And uh, this one guy came up after one of her talks and he says, why don't you ever counsel men? And she says, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really uh, understand that too well. You know, maybe you should just go talk to another man. He says, well, that's convenient. He says, because you see my wife and my little girl over there. They would rather me die on my high horse than for me to come down and be like them, a fallen person, mm. you know, and, and what he's what he's getting at is like, does, does that really mean that his wife and little girl really articulated that to him, really said to him, honey, if I ever thought you were a normal person that struggled like everybody else, I would die, you know, mm. no, what happened was over the years of him feeling like he had to put on some sort of a persona, the fear just grew bigger and bigger and bigger till it came to the point where he's like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to die hiding my weakness from my, from my wife and my kids. Right. Because I don't want them to see the truth. That's right, man. And there's, there's no way any level of, of genuine intimacy can come from that level of secrecy. I mean, just go all the way back to the garden of Eden. And what did it say? It says they were naked and unashamed, meaning they had perfect transparency 
with perfect, uh, perfect affirmation and acceptance. And that's what really all of us want, right? We would like to be in a society where I could be perfectly transparent with someone mm-hmm. and have them perfectly accept me. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't exist. And that's why after the fall, what happens is they cover themselves up. Yeah. You know, they have to cover their flaws because they become deathly afraid of being judged mm-hmm. by each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what human beings have been doing ever since. You know, a lot of people say that they covered themselves up from God. That's not true. It says after they ate, it says they saw themselves as naked yeah. and they covered themselves. So this is idea of fear of judgment of each other. Yeah. And and that's why they covered themselves up. And we've been doing it ever since. Right. Fear of transparency, fear of rejection. Yeah. And the only way that I found in my life to have any amount of victory in that area is, uh, and by the way, when I say any amount, I mean, I am like on block one, of <laughs> like learning how to do this. It's like the only way I've ever found any amount of growth is just in understanding the fact that there is someone in the universe who does have perfect, I do have perfect transparency with and perfect acceptance, and that is with Christ. Mm-hmm. It says in Hebrews 4, all things are naked and laid bare before him. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, I am perfectly transparent before God. Right. And he accepts me as I am, loves me just as I am, and he covers me, literally he covers my nakedness with his righteousness, mm-hmm. and he has now given me new life. And the, the amount that I'm able to accept that in my relationship with him is the amount I'm going to feel comfortable opening up to other people, yeah. you know, including my wife, including uh, anyone else inside of my life, right? That means anything to me. Yeah, so that's kind of where it starts, you're saying, is, is you know, a uh, you know, uh, husband develops uh, an openness with God, mm. right? And then, and then, you know, he, he hopefully is developing, you know, an openness with his wife too. But that's why it's so important, um, for both people to really a husband and a wife to be both getting help, Mm. you know, um, cause we've, we've been in this for a while and, and, and man, there's always so many issues with the wife, you know, if, if, if it's the guy who's been acting out in ways that, you know, have become detrimental to the marriage. Um, you know, the wife is usually, you know, gosh, I mean, sometimes it's like you ask a couple, you know, how often do you guys talk about sex? (laughs) What? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, like, have you ever talked about what you guys like in sex? Hmm. The people are silent. They're (laughs) like, whoa, like, uh, no, you know what I mean? And and isn't that amazing? It's like, it's no wonder like that we would go to other things or, I mean, I mean, let's face it, sex is a me it can be absolutely outstanding, mm. you know, and fun and just everything. Um, you know, and uh you know, if you're not if you're not, you know, luring one another and aw- you know, being awed by one another, mm. you know, and things like that, then what are you doing? I mean, I was I was thinking of, you know, it's so cool the Bible because it has like these pictures of God that are awesome. I mean here Israel in the Old Testament goes out and just serves other gods, man. They don't even serve the true and living God. Mm-hmm. And then God, after saying, hey, man, you guys want to leave me? You guys are going to be destroyed, man. I mean, that's going to be the result of you guys just leaving my protection kind of and just this relationship with me. But then it says, therefore, behold, and he, this is Hosea 2.14, I will allure her. And I will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. her. I will give her vineyards from there. Um, I will, you know, she shall, she shall, shall sing there. Um, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like crazy, man. It's like all of a sudden there's this alluring and this like, you know, wooing. You know what I mean? And it's like God acts like this. You know, God acts in this way of us developing an intimacy with one another. I mean, he shows us how to do it. It's by... You know, wanting to allure one another, wanting to be with each other, you know, saying, hey, I want to learn about my sexuality with my wife. Mm. You know, I want to talk to her about it. I want to be open about these things. Mm. You know, it's okay. You know, I mean, you know, we just I think today, like in a in a in in the world we live in today, if a husband or a wife or if a wife says to me like man you know i just i watched a movie i watched thor the other day mm-hmm. on the avengers and that guy is amazing and it just really stirred up you know man me sexually and i just i just want to have massive sex with you right now mm-hmm. honey 
I'm not going to go, what? <laughs> what is wrong with you? I can't believe you were attracted to that other guy. I mean, what's wrong? No way I'm going to have sex with you because you're not doing it out of the right way. You know, you're stirred up. You know, you need to, you need to come to the Lord. You need to repent. You know what I mean? And then you could be with me. You know what I mean? In a loving, selflessness kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would just crush her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What she's saying is that something aroused her and, and it's, and it would be so difficult, um, to, to say, uh, I never, you know, like King David who looks over, you know, and sees Bathsheba and uh, for him not to admit that, Hey, I was aroused. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, but he should have said, I was aroused. Where's my wife? But in David's case, it would have been which wife? Pick, right because he was a polygamist yeah. and he died a polygamist from what we know we don't see him ever repenting of his polygamy yeah. and by the way we don't see anybody repenting of their polygamy yeah. in the bible so go figure that one yeah. right they all died in sexual sin yeah yeah and god still loved him yeah wow yeah you know god must be gracious but you know so you see that you know there's a, a right way to go about it and i i would say that man it would be cool if my wife you know for for someone to say, well, I would just be absolutely bummed if my wife thought Thor was beautiful. Yeah. You know, uh, I would I'd just be like, man, like, I, I don't know what planet are you living on? <laughs> like, we're, you know, you know, not, you know, you made another point yesterday in your sermon about, you know, people are beautiful, yeah. you know, and, it, and, and to say to someone, um, or, or try to say, oh, no, they're not pretty, or no, that person's not beautiful, or, <laughs> you know, to, to try to admit that is really saying something uh, that God doesn't ask us to say. And something even God himself wouldn't say. Right. You know? Yeah, because God, God says, no, that that's pretty. Yeah. I'm sure when Jesus was walking around and he saw a girl or yeah, another Mary, man, yeah. he definitely wouldn't look at him and be like, oh, no. You know, that's not pretty. That's not pretty. That's <laughs> ugly. Right. You know, there's definitely like he saw. Yeah. You know, he definitely he created beauty and beauty is a good thing. Yeah. You know, the beauty is a, is a very good thing that God created. He could have, uh, if he wanted to, have not created beauty. That's right. I mean, when I look at my wife, I wouldn't see beauty. That's right. And he could have done that, but he didn't that's because right. he understands something. Me as a, as, an, as a human being, I delight. In the beauty of my wife, yeah, and it, it arouses me, it pleases me, it's awesome. And that's you that's know? and that's how God is. And see, that's the Christian thing: is God is a unity Himself, right? Yeah. So He has a passion amongst Himself, not to have sex with Himself, yeah. but He has a unity within the Trinity, yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So He's developed that in us. So, like for a husband or a wife who sees those things, you know, for them to be able to look at their wife and go, "Man, I want to have intimacy with my wife." To me, that's a positive way of 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 moving um, when you f- see yourself attracted to someone and it causes an arousal in you, mm. you know, biologically, you know, you have an arousal, you know, you get that little tingling, yeah. you know, and that you move in those directions. Yeah. But for a husband, you know, developing intimacy is is what needs to start happening in your life, right. you know, um, with your wife. And that doesn't mean developing um so much the sexual intercourse or things like that but it means starting to develop the conversations Mm. starting to break down the fears and and those type of things and when you start breaking those things down in a relationship man then you can start developing a real passionate sex life Mm. you know that's free from judgment or resentments or fears or things like that Mm. you know and i think that's what handcuffs people more than anything oh yeah you know like like you were saying more than than porn will ever do yeah you know is that fear is that fear and 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 so you know we next week we can talk more about husbands because it's such a good topic and it's such a big topic of how um more husbands can can um maybe look at their different situations and and uh and uh, start working on different things, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if I could just say one more yeah. thing before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, and everything that we're talking about today, uh, I hope you guys got this from it, is that there requires growth in everything, you know, especially when we're talking about the communication thing. It would be awesome, right, if, if right now in my marriage, we were, me and my wife were at a place where we could literally talk about anything yeah. without any 
any emotions or jealousies. <laughs> right. or, that would be beautiful, but we're not there. Right. You know, but what we're doing is we're encouraging one another yeah. to get there. And that's what Jesus does in our lives. He accepts us right where we're at, but he encourages us higher. Yeah. You know, and that's what that's what the gospel does in our lives. So if if my wife is at this place of of fearfulness, I shouldn't just be like, man, we're just going to we're going to throw it all out there tonight, you know, and this yeah. is going to be it, you know, cage match. We're going to we're going to talk about everything. But there there could be a gentleness, right, and an encouragement and, and, and a growth in these things and a, and a growth also in, in, in our sexuality and everything we're talking about. There's a growing process. Yeah. And King David is the greatest example of that. Yeah. You know, don't you think? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, the Psalms themselves are just great examples of of how we grow, meaning meaning he's just honest. He's more intimate with God. He's more honest with God. He asks God to help him with all of his secret sins, all of his issues, you know, and, and that's what we develop. We develop that just that openness with God. We continue to do so. And um, and, um, you know, and as we do, we hope that, uh, you know, our wives are doing that as well, mm. you know. Um, so when we come together and talk in honest ways, um, we understand that, you know, we're, we're, we're talking to God, too, about these things. Yeah. You know, so it's not like we're just talking to one another, <laughs> but we're, we're also, you know, it's in the context of God's there and we're talking to him, too. Yeah. So anyway, we'll catch you guys uh, next week. You can always tweet us uh, questions. Um, at our Twitter feed at Running Light dot, uh, or just Running Light on Twitter, and you can always check us out on iTunes, on um, let's see Google Plus, and our podcast is also available um, on SoundCloud. So check them all out. Check out runninglight.org. We'll see you guys later. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series: Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.